You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad. And one of the joys of travelling around <coughs> anywhere uh, in Canada, but even in Ontario, is that you're bound to triple across what is a very, very strong Irish connection. And uh, even the place names, uh, whether it be Listowel, Carlow, Innisfil, Dublin, um, they're, they're all over the place. And I happened to be at the Godridge Celtic Roots Festival, went into a bookstore, found a book, From Ireland to Queen's Bush and the author was Arnold Matherson I said ok let's do a little bit of research and I figured out where he was found his phone number phoned him up and said Arnold can I come talk to you and uh, I'm delighted to be sitting across from Arnold Matherson here in Exeter thanks a million for allowing us to come into your home and um, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to hear some of the stories what you've done is published initially a a, a little book with ten uh, fictional short stories right. but some of the fiction are based on what you know to be people's stories uh, a bit about your family and the Irish connection well in uh, 1995 I received a phone call from a cousin in Manitoba saying we're going to have an Owens reunion this summer and we know that we have an Ontario connection and we would like to have some of you either come out or send us information uh, so that we can reconnect again because we know that uh, the Owenses in Manitoba came from Ontario in fact came from Belgrave, Ontario and so um, I started doing some research and then we did go out the next spring to the reunion and met 100 uh, or 200 cousins that I didn't know existed and so we started uh, I started a monthly newsletter then and we connected with, we had uh, 1,700 in the newsletter at one point, uh, sending information. And then uh, uh, two or three of us had promised to put an Owens story together and have another reunion. And so we decided to have another reunion at our farm here in near Wingham in 2000. And uh, over 100 Owens showed up from Newfoundland, British Columbia, Manitoba, California, Texas, uh, with a grand showing of, of people. And I did have a book uh, put together and published. And uh, I just show you a copy. I'm sure our readers can see, or listeners can see it. But this was the Owens saga. It's the story of how the Owens came, where they came from in Ireland, how they got here, how they spread across Canada. And uh, quite a few of the people sent the stories that they got from their parents or from their grandparents. And so uh, it, it became quite a good collection as well as the family tree. So I started doing research about, I did a lot of research about that family and went to Ireland in between. I, I went, did our first trip to Ireland to Pedigo area, visited the little uh, tumble-down shack on an acre of land where they had come from. Um, they sailed out of uh, uh, on the west coast, uh, Sligo. Okay, yes. They sailed out of Sligo yeah. into uh, Quebec City and had made their way then to Toronto and uh, stayed there for five years. The boys, when they arrived, were 15. The oldest one was 15. The youngest girl was three. Uh, the mother brought the widow brought the children over and uh, 
and they settled in the Belgrave area. It is it's written in a number of sources that, have, that she was the first white woman to walk into the wilds of Wanash Township. And they walked up the hill for about half a mile and claimed three land, three farms there. Um, I got interested then in the Mathers family, who also came from Ireland, came from the Pedigo, or came from the uh, Armagh area of Ireland, and uh, started uh, doing some background looking and uh, found a number of relatives. And we uh, corresponded back and forth. And I was a teacher in Toronto. And on our staff, it was a very large school and a very large staff, one of the chaps was from North Ireland. And uh, Les Hall, and we became good friends, Chad, a lot, because he heard that I was, had Irish roots. And every Irishman wants to talk to other people who have Irish roots. And so one day, Les brought me a newspaper clipping. He said, Lily Mathers, this is from Armagh, the Armagh newspaper, Lily Mathers married... Uh, Grant and he, she said Les said she's probably your cousin you should write to her and uh, get in touch with her so I gave it to my sister who did write to her and they kept up a correspondence for I think 27 years until Lily passed away but in the meantime uh, well, probably by the time Lily passed away my wife and I went to Ireland and we found Lily's daughter and her husband and uh, uh, quite a few of the other members of the family and so um, I started doing the Mathers history and getting the, all the letters and everything I could uh, I've collected a, a plastic tub you know all those packing tubs full of information that I found this year when I went uh, I particularly uh, went to see four families that still live in the Armagh area uh, two of them have large farms. One's a banker. One runs a hotel, motel, or a big old house hotel. And we all traded uh, family tree histories. And they have done some incredible work. Uh, two times ago when we were there, I met um, one, uh, Derek Mathers. I went to the golf course. I knew the Mathers farm was near the golf course. So I went to the golf course because that's a good place to get information in any country. And I asked if anybody knew any Mathers. And he said, yeah, Derek's on the course. And his brother just finished and he's gone home up the hill. Why don't you go up the hill and find him? He said, Derek's only on the sixth or seventh hole, so he'll be a couple of hours. So I went up the hill, found him. The gentleman who came to the door was my dad's twin brother. He was absolutely... A, I would have called him Mel if he hadn't told me what his name was. But he had a big farm up on the hill. And um, we were in for tea. I think his wife was gone at that moment. We went in for tea, had tea, had a great chat. And um, he said, well, I want to take you to see Aunt Mary because she's the historian of the family. She's about 90 and she's got the family tree. So we went up to the hill, saw Aunt Mary. She was very elderly. And uh, she was keen, but she wouldn't give me any copies of the family tree. She wouldn't let it out of her hands. Good for her. But they had no photocopying equipment, so I couldn't get any of that information. So this September, when we were back, 
We went back to the same place where Aunt Mary has since passed away. Went back to the same place. Her son is now living on the farm, and he had all the information to give us. Uh, so we were able to get that whole family tree. In, the, in doing the family trees, there was 107 Mathers families in Down County. So we were trying to find which ones were, and they might only be three miles apart and not know each other. Because there doesn't seem to be the feeling to want to connect with everybody around you that have the last name. <laughs> because they're not doing genealogy. Well, not, not only that, but like you're, um, because everyone is from the same place, you don't seek the commonality that we yeah. do when you come back. So quite naturally, you just take it that they're there and that's it. Yeah. So we found this time by going to a lot of cemeteries and finding the relatives and and the the chap uh, that gave me the uh, newspaper clipping was absolutely true. It was a relative and that my sister wrote to for so long. So this year when we went, my sister went with him so she could meet the, the daughter and husband and, and the granddaughter now of Lily. But I, the first time we were there, and skipping around a little bit, the first time we were there, I had written down some notes about being at the farm and what his name was. And, but when I got back, I, in putting all the stuff together, I lost his information. And then one day, by chance, it popped up on my computer. Where are the car keys, Da? And I said, this isn't, it was uh, from Derek Mathers. And I said, what does this have to do with me? So I responded back. And I said, I'm not Derek. And I don't know where your car keys are. But I think you might be the person we visited when we were in Ireland three or four years ago. And it was. And so we reconnected by absolute chance and visited Derek this year. Right. And Derek has now built a million-dollar digester on his 5,500-acre farm. And he feeds all the hay in the digester, and he's making power for the uh, Irish Power Commission. Right. It's a 10-year contract. Right. And he's driving a big Mercedes, and he's fixing the house, <laughs> and it's, it's working very well for him. <laughs> uh, one of the other mathers that we visited this year uh, we were, he was a banker and we were having he invited us for dinner and he also invited his dad and mother to join us because they would be about our same age maybe related and he uh, so the father uh, during the conversation he said well if you got time come up to the farm tomorrow I want to show you my antique tractor so we did went up in the afternoon 4 o'clock the appointed time for tea he has 42 antique tractors every make and model you can expect and he throws it open once a year to the public of Armagh, and they raise money for the hospital. He's got antique trash machines, antique balers. It's it's a it's a museum. Right. So, to back to the Irish story in Canada, uh, then I did the research for the Mathers family and wrote uh, the Mathers story book. At the same time. When I retired from, I was a school principal and superintendent. When I retired, I started writing stories about mother and dad. I wanted to collect, my dad was a character, 
did funny things. Uh, he was a farmer and a chimney builder, and he helped at the undertake the undertaker, and he put in bathrooms, and he did anything. He could do anything. But he also loved life and, and did some really funny things. And uh, so I wanted to capture some of those stories for our kids and grandkids. So I wrote a few of them and gave them to my mother to read and said, what do you think of these? She said, you should publish them. And so I took them to a newspaper editor that I kind of knew. And uh, he said, absolutely, I'd love to publish those stories. He writes a magazine called The Rural Voice that goes to the farmers all across Ontario. And so he started publishing. I think he's published 72 stories at this point. So I gathered the first bunch up into um, a book and sold 700 copies just in the county. I haven't gone any farther than... I haven't tried to advertise it or sell them. I'm not, I'm not interested in making money. I just wanted these stories preserved. And then um, I skipped to another era sort of thing. The Queensbush was the last area in Ontario to be settled. The, Guelph, the Toronto area was settled first, then the Guelph area, the Talbot Tract, and then the London area, and then the Godridge, Huron County area called the Huron Tract. And this little piece of land between Wingham and Hanover and the lake, Port Elgin, and inland. It's a little tract of land in there that was called the Queen's Bush. And it was the last to be sold off and settled. And so the later uh, generation of Irish families that came out in the early 1900s settled in the Queen's Bush. And so did the Scottish families. And, and they got along incredibly well. So my mother's family were all Scottish, but my dad's were Irish. My mother grew up in the Queensbush area. Their farm was called Queensbush Farm. Then when Ontario was divided into counties, the Queensbush disappeared. It no longer exists. There's a bar in Hanover called the Queensbush Bar. But other than that, nobody would know the Queensbush ever existed. So I wanted to correct that error. <laughs> so I wrote the book called From Ireland to Queensbush, and I wrote about... Ten families that I knew about. I had some information because I was, they were the area where my mother grew up. One was a lawyer who came to Blueville, a little village, settled above the mill pond. And he was the one who brought my grandfather to the area. He brought lots of other people to the area. Last year when I was selling the book at a fair, one gentleman came up and bought the book. He came back the next day and he said, I read the book where's this cemetery that this lawyer is buried? So I told him where it was. He came back the next day and he said, you're right, I found it. I found the tombstone. So there are elements of truth in all of these stories. I knew the O'Keefe uh, Kiefer family, uh, you know, I, and I gave them all different names. But the village, I, I, uh, the village in Ireland, is, you'll find very much like a central Ireland village. And the village here is like any any village. So I wrote those stories um, over a period of maybe five years. One of them I wrote on a boat on the Yangtze River on a trip down the Yangtze River to see the big dam. Um, it was kind of rainy and it wasn't too nice to be out. We were on the boat. So that the lawyer story was written on the boat. Uh, but each of the stories has an element of truth uh, 
you know, my one of my favorite stories are the priests who changed. One boy became a priest and one left the priesthood and, and married in the same family. Um, I like the story about the undertaker. It's uh, they were stories that I enjoyed writing. Arnold, I want us to take a short break. Yeah. And in doing so, I'm going to ask, and, and I know I didn't prep you for this, but is there any piece of music that you've come across that means something to you, that has an Irish like, But there's so much great Irish music. It's, they tell such stories. By a lonely prison wall, I heard a young girl call. Michael, they have taken you away For you stole Trevelyan's corn So the young might see the morn Our prison ship lies waiting in the bay The small free birds fly. Our love was on the wing. We had dreams and songs to sing. It's so lonely round the fields of that night. By a lonely prison wall, I heard a young man. Nothing matters, Mary, when you're free Against the famine and the crown I rebel, they cut me down Now you must raise our child with dignity Listen to our Shady Candidate Home Abroad, and uh, we're chatting with Arnold Matthews, and we've been hearing the wonderful stories of his family tree. And um, we're in Exeter, in uh, over on Lake Huron, and we were chatting briefly about the area, and you were saying, uh, Arnold, that this, uh, the Queen's Bush, was the last area settled. It was. I mentioned Carlow, I mentioned Dublin, I mentioned uh, Innisfield, there's a uh, Listowel. Yeah. Um, how? rich an Irish population is there in this area and the reason I ask that is there's a perception that if you're in eastern Ontario that you go up the Ottawa Valley and you can't but trip over the Irish right. and likewise in parts of western Quebec and um, the awareness of the depth of Irish uh, 
immigration into other areas isn't necessarily as well appreciated. Yes, and and the the Irishness is being diluted or has Mm -hmm. been diluted over a century or so. And so uh, while there was a large influx of Irish in the 1838 to 1850-something, those a lot of those families, the Coulters, the Pattersons, the Mathers, the Owens, have so intermarried now, not necessarily with each other, but with other families, with English, Scottish, German families, that you can't find a very Irish group anymore. The Orange Lodge is gone. Right. The last Orange Lodges, I think, probably closed. You know, in the my dad was an orangeman. He would be one of the last generation of orangemen. Right. And um, but likewise, when you say it in that sense, there is something about intermarriage in the Irish um, system or way that the Irish person seems to be the one that comes out on. It absolutely top. is. <laughs> yeah, if an Irishman marries a German, is in our family, you're still an Irish family. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Likewise, and, and but if if it was the uh, uh, German male and an Irish female, it would still, still be an be Irish family. <laughs> They're still Irish. It is. It's, it's interesting how that dynamic works. Right. And and, and, and and how the depth, I guess, of heritage is within the Irish, somewhat nearly at a deeper level than with a lot of other cultures. Yeah. The Irish, uh, even though they changed and adopted to the new world, adopted to their new surroundings, they retain their Irish roots, their Irish feelings. And uh, uh, you don't find as many people other than the, uh, the Dutch who have moved into our area in great numbers after the Second World War right. and, have, uh, and have really... Uh, really still preserve their roots. There's still a Dutch-Canadian store in almost every town. Uh, so, And uh, our friends from Holland who have visited here saying, oh, we haven't done that for 40 years. You know, we, those customs are gone in Holland, but they're still preserved here. So likewise then, when um, it would come, when you published From Ireland to the Queen's Bush, did it bring uh, many out of the woodwork? Mm, I'm, I'm not sure. We sold. I've, I've only tried to sell it. I've only sold it in Huron County. Yeah, but even there, the but people suddenly would kind of say, "Wow, I didn't or take an interest at a level that was starting to dilute." I think yes. A lot of people, a lot of people who have picked up the book and read it, have said, "Well, I didn't know you were Irish," or you know, but but they're interested in the Irish, and more and more people that I've talked to have said either I love my trip to Ireland or I want to go to Ireland. It, it's a destination that a lot of people really, really look, look forward to going. And the other aspect then being the genealogy, because one thing I was always told was, you know, if you want um, to get somebody, uh, well, never ask a genealogist about their family tree or you'll be still listening three weeks later. But, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but genealogy is a tremendous 
methodology for people bonding and getting uh, coming together and sharing stories and there's such a richness in Ontario uh, across the province of genealogical societies uh, how rich is that aspect of things in this area well the, there are a lot of people now doing their family tree more than I would ever have suspected as you talk to people around you said isn't it time you did your family tree oh yeah we've been working at it you know my sister's doing it or somebody's doing it um, I think that we've just reached a stage with the internet where it's making it a lot easier to get the information it's a lot easier I regularly talk to our friends back in Ireland and uh you know, they, they send me information or say, okay, we're coming out, see you next summer. So I think the whole internet thing has made doing genealogy much, much quicker, much easier. And publishing, self-publishing now is so easy, so simple. Everybody should be publishing their, their story. Right. And of course, self-publishing doesn't necessarily mean you actually have to go to paper which is the other aspect of it, that right. yes, you can choose to go to paper, but you can self-publish and self-copy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, when you talk in terms of resources being available, uh, I know on the, um, there's a conference coming up very, very soon in Belfast, uh, a genealogical conference, and I have a friend of mine who's going to attend to it. And uh, the records that um, are available, of course, those of us uh, that have an interest, because of what is the 100-year block on a lot of genealogical right. stuff, there's a, a new batch coming free, uh, because I think it's every, what, 1, 11, 21. The census. Yes, so the census release. data for, yep. for 1921 is now in the, uh, has been released. Um, do you, and have you been able to go back and have you studied much of the old census data? I've studied some of it. Uh, yes, I spent a fair amount of time in uh, Dublin at the, uh, the National Archives. National Archives. Uh, the first time I went to Ireland, quite a few years ago, and I've forgotten how many, 25 years ago perhaps, we would go to a church and write down the, off the tombstones the information and see if we could do some cross-referencing. or find. And The last time we were there, two times ago, not last September, but two years before that and we were there, I went to a church and was looking around the church and a gentleman came over and said, could I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm looking for any matters that may have been buried in the churchyard. So he said, would you like a list of the death, births, christenings, and marriages for the last 200 years? I said, that would be amazing. So he said, well, it'll run it off. It's all here in the computer. I'll just run it off for you. So he gave me about 10 sheets of paper. You know, that would have taken me years to discover. So then you start matching up the uh, people. And again, like anything of a common interest, when you make a connection like that, that of its nature comes out into a web of its own. I'm yeah. sure you've been able to make lots of connections that again have fed into your research. Well, when I was back this year, I took that information with me and we were looking at it. I think it was the Tangeree Church. And we were looking at it and they said, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know Henry was buried there. Or I didn't know Jane was married in that church. So yes, it spreads back as well as... 
We talked there in the, the first segment about the book you've, you've published, uh, From Irons to Queen's Bush. Uh, I know, I saw somewhere you were working on more. Are, have you a second volume in, in the works, or has it been published or um, in that vein? Well, I've published another book since that right. of short stories called Tales from the Township. Okay. And uh, they're stories about growing up poor in Huron County or growing up in the township. Right. And uh, added a couple plays to the end of the story. Uh, a play about a mother in a, who was Alzheimer's in a home and, and uh, dedicated to a friend of ours who just recently died of Alzheimer's. And then I wrote another one that I enjoyed about an irascible farmer who thought he was going to die, so he put a, um, a casket in his living room to try it out. And it goes from there. And uh, <laughs> so that has just been out, and I've probably I've sold 500 of it, so I've just run off another 100, 150, and started getting them out around. But people like short stories. Uh, when I first went to the editor with my first two or three stories, Keith Rolston is the editor of the Rural Voice that goes across Ontario. And Keith said, keep your stories short, about three pages. They're going to be read by farmers, and they don't have a lot of time to read a long story. So keep them about three pages. No vulgarity, no profanity, no sex or violence. People don't want to read about that. So that was the premise on which I wrote the stories. And so kids can read them in school. They're, uh, but they're all about what it was like when I grew up in the 40s. Do you, um, you, you mentioned it before we started chatting here that you celebrate the 17th of March in a big way um, and you don't happen, always happen to be in the locality here but is there much attention paid to Irish celebrations in and around here? Well, yes. Um, you only have to go into any dollar store and and in April there will be or or um, before the seventeenth February February there'll be huge displays yeah. of all the Irish stuff that you can imagine and uh, so it's a commercial holiday it's a commercial windfall for the dollar stores uh, but yeah a lot of people celebrate seventeenth right. of March one way or another we just started doing it in Florida in our park. And, you know, we started with a band and, and people heard the music and said, can we join, can we join? And, you know, the last couple of years we had it, we had over 100 people in our driveway. Three bands and lots of Irish music and lots of green beer. People who never drank beer in their life think green beer is wonderful. And where, um, like, while you were doing your research and everything, as you said, there's stories in everybody and it should be left for the next generation. Do you see the next generation paying the attention to their heritage and their history the way that previous generations have? Or would you say that um, technology, lifestyle, wealth... Um, a variety of other things entertainment as easily obtainable as it is is diminishing people's interest in their heritage yes all of those have changed it but the other thing is that I don't know anybody that gets interested in heritage genealogy family trees until they're at least 50 years old mm -hmm. 
you know, you are, it's not a young people's thing. Mm -hmm. uh, as you approach the second half of your life, you think, well, maybe I should leave a paper trail. And, and but that also raises the question again, given how immediate so many things are and the attention span, like as a former educator, particularly, you would have yeah. known that there was a methodology in how things were taught and it's not necessarily the same. Uh, is there a danger that, w that our, we lose sight or history and the individual histories will be lost and the importance of them? We do. So, so yeah. you, you, know, you mentioned when you were back and you knock on the door and you felt, felt you were like you were looking at your, uh, your father's twin. Um, in that fashion, the curiosity of who we are is something that I fear might be lost. It, yes, it might be lost, and, and I'm sure it's sort of the melting pot theory, but I think that once people get to be your age or my age, they start thinking about, well, where did we come from? What was our past? And uh, I know a lot of our friends uh, are doing the same thing, going back to Germany and trying to find their roots, or back to Ireland, or back to Scotland. So I think there's still a lot of interest in where did our family come from, but that interest doesn't start early in life. No. Um, you mentioned also, as I said, that you know you knock on the door and you, you look, think you're looking at your father's twin. Did anyone stop you on the street and kind of ask you or identify you and say, do I know you? Uh, in our <laughs> Not really. No. Not really. But uh, the first, one of the early times we were in Ireland, uh, I knew that my uh, grandfather had worked in a linen mill on the Bond River. Right. And uh, there are a lot of mills on the river. And... Um, so one Sunday morning, you know, and there were four of us, so I, I, the story was verified. Uh, there were four of us in the car. We pulled up at a, like a 7-Eleven on a Sunday morning, and an older gentleman, he'd be probably 80-ish, with the white shirt and the armbands. He was just coming from church, I suspect. Well-dressed uh, gentleman, and I hopped out of the car, and I said, I'm a Mathers from Canada. I'm looking for my, where my great-grandfather worked at a woolen mill somewhere, and I said woolen mill, and it's on somewhere along the river here. And he said, oh no, he didn't work in a woolen mill, he worked in the linen mill. And he was a rob, and he married the woolen mill's daughter, and they ran off, and, and he tells me the whole family story. And I've never seen this gentleman in my life. But they know the stories of what happened. What, what you're saying in a nutshell, Arnold, is that any, anybody who is looking for um, just something different, uh, and by that I mean a life experience, should get in a plane, go to Ireland, knock on the door, or go into a shop and ask a question, yeah. and, and just be surprised at the joy of the answer. In Canada, if you go and knock on a door and ask directions, they will likely tell you, take a left, go here, go there. In Ireland, and we've had this happen, you knock on the door and say, do you know where this is? And they say, well, let me get in the car and go with you. I'll show you where it is. And they just drop everything. We, we were uh, in uh, one of the towns near Armagh and went into a hardware store. I was kind of lost looking for directions, and there was some people lined up at the counter, 
and uh, and he said, uh, "Can I help you?" And kind of over the top of the customers, and I said, "Well, I'm kind of lost, and I just I'll just wait a minute, and you can give me somebody can give me directions." And he said, "Oh no, these people can wait." And he came out to the car, stands on the street, points out where to go. You know, it's overly friendly, overly concerned. We're going to have to wrap up, and we're going to yeah. wrap up with another piece of music. What do you suggest? Oh, now that would be a, a quick, hard question. I'm not a great music person, but I love Irish music when I hear it. Um, and don't worry, I, I let it. I let it the gap here, so you don't need to worry about okay. that. Okay, okay, I, I because I just. Uh, is there yeah, any, any rows of Trilly? Now that's uh, very that's very apt actually. Yeah. Because um, next weekend the Rose Trilly is on. The, the selection of the Rose is on, and there's a Toronto right. Rose, right? An Ottawa Rose, and a West Western Canada Rose over there at the moment. Oh, nice, nice. nice. The uh, the other town that I wrote about, I think, can't think of for a minute. It's where they have the the goat is the prince. Oh, they're down in Kilargna. Yeah, and the girls line up on the bridge. In Poke Fair. In Poke Fair. Poke Fair, yeah. The Poke Fair was really it, interesting. And it, when it does it's a puck, the same as a hockey puck. Yes. Because puck. It's P- a puck. P-U-C, because that's the Irish for goat. Yeah, it's a goat fair. Yeah, puck, puck fair. Yeah, the... Yeah. Uh, the puck fair and so I, I included that in one of the stories that fantastic that I had written it's been a real pleasure chat much of well, that's great. So much I, the pale moon was rising above the green mountain the sun was declining beneath the blue sea and I strayed with my love to the pure Crystal fountain that stands in the beautiful veil of She was lovely and fair as the rose of summer. Yet was not her beauty alone that won me. Let me love Mary, the rose of Tralee. The cool shades of evening, their mantles were spreading, and Mary all smiling. Sat listening to me The moon through the valley Her pale rays were shedding When I won the heart Of the rose of Trilly Though lovely and fair As the rose of summer Yet was not
Oh, Charlie.